Okay, you guys, while preparing for this Crush Fictionally episode, I was trying to think of a cool detective theme song, and all I could come up with was the Pink Panther theme song from the cartoon that I used to watch when I was a kid. And I don't even think that that's probably the coolest theme song, nor is really the Pink Panther. Is the Pink Panther a cool detective? But that song is pretty lit when you think about it. It's like, but um, but um, but um. Well done. Well done. Right? It's pretty pretty good. If you didn't didn't associate it with Peter Sellers, it wouldn't. Right. Right. Although, if you go back and watch like Inspector Clouseau, like Peter Sellers, or even like the the reboot with Steve Martin, it's so ridiculous. Like, it's so, they're so dumb, but so funny. (laughs) Definitely not good at their job and not cool, but (laughs) funny. Funny is cool. Thanks, Joe. I agree. Like, you know what? Uh, Sometimes too. uh, Well, I know we're going to ask this question later, right, Michelle? So I won't I won't jump the gun about like what what makes a detective cool in our Mm -hmm. eyes. But the first question I think that we wanted to ask and pose to uh, our uh, experts here on mysteries and round robin this is what is it about a mystery? that draws us in like what is it about the unknown that makes us go yeah like i i want to be a part of that ride like what's so appealing i think part of it is the stakes like what's in solving the mystery Mm -hmm. if i solve the mystery what do i get (laughs) or who do i say you know that i think that that has to be part of a good mystery that it's worth unraveling it is (sighs) and consequences what happens if I don't unravel? Yes. Oh, I didn't think of that. It's That's like we funny. have a best-selling author on our call. Right it's like we have a best-selling author who who's knows written about what he's mysteries and cool about. detectives, guys. It's my job. It's fan. I think this is so fantastic. I um I won't again. I know we'll reveal our our favorite fictional detectives in a few minutes, but I was reading an interview with the showrunner for the, de- for the show and the de- detective I chose for this episode. And uh, one of the things asked uh, to the showrunner was, are you ever worried about not satisfying the audience at the end? Mm-hmm. And when, once that, once that mystery is solved, you know, are you are you really worried that you know you're you're not going to stick the landing? And he said, you know, honestly, I think a mystery is really great when you are emotionally invested in the journey as well, not just the ending and the reveal, but the the journey that makes it's the journey that will make the ending stick. Not necessarily like, oh, I blinked and it was that guy who walked into the convenience store <laughs> who's the killer. You know what I mean? Like it's more so about the journey of getting to know everybody's reasoning as to why they would yeah. potentially be a suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's so true. Like sometimes for me, it's not even necessarily about like, oh, damn, at the end when they reveal the killer, but more so like, oh, very clever how we got here. Um, I think it's a part of it is too, is being invested in the character who's unraveling. Yes, yes, I mean, 100%. You know, who really cares about a car chase unless you're invested in the people in the car? This is true. <laughs> and unless it could be that- and furious. 
<laughs> unless you're Vin, <laughs> unless you're Vin Diesel, then you really care about that part. Um, who's in the car? But I think that's so true, Joe. I think that. And it could be that you're invested in either one. Sometimes you're invested in the person who's trying to solve the crime. And sometimes you're invested in the person who's potentially doing the crime. And because you're, because, because of the story and because of like the character development, but I do love like the unexpected when it comes to a mystery. I love, I love when I'm reading a story or I'm watching something and it, it unravels in a way that I didn't expect. I think that's probably like the worst kind of mystery. It was in when you can predict the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I love, I love a good double cross. You guys heard <laughs> me say this on the podcast before. I love a good double cross. I love a double cross cross and I love the unexpected, but um, you have to be invested in the story for sure. In order to, to. Uh, it's it's yeah. also being in a, in a story that's smarter than you. Yes. That if you only had like five more IQ points, you could get ahead of this thing. (laughs) I'm never ahead of it. Oh, no. (laughs) But you know what? I like being in that position. (laughs) Other people's books, I, you know, I'm never ahead. I I never unravel them. Somebody else's mystery. I I can write one because I have hours and hours to figure out, you know, all these little things. Yeah. and, and that's why my character is smarter than everybody else is because I have hours. Of, he, he, you know, he figures things out like this. And that took me, you know, 30, 30 hours. Yeah, exactly. 30 hours, <laughs> five weeks to figure that out. Yeah, no, I, I this is uh, I am also a writer, but not an author. I don't do uh, prose or fiction um, mm-hmm. in the narrative uh, written lo- long form sense. I am a screenwriter, but I also uh, there are things where, um, you know, I'll write a joke into a script that just came to me and I, and, but it so cleverly happens to tie together a few different storylines mm-hmm. and people don't realize that it just happened to be something that I've been stewing on. And I'm like, Oh, how do I connect this? And then suddenly there's that glue that just mm-hmm. appears. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. That's the thing that will tie all of this together. Um, it and it's so satisfying. It really, it didn't really just, come to you as much as um, when you're creating something, it's really everything you've ever said, done, or seen focused on a single problem. And, and so you're bringing all this, this power behind this, this question, what goes here? Uh, Joe, you said it, man. You (laughs) said it. It's so true. That's exactly it. It's the the lived experience. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. always like the first person to be like to my fellow writers who, um, you know, they are constantly writing, constantly churning out content. And that's great. You should be doing that. But there's nothing to replace the lived experience of like going out, experiencing something or just sitting with your thoughts and being like, well, following the spider web of thoughts of like, okay, well, this leads me to that. And this leads me to that. And you just don't know what you might arrive to. So Mm -hmm. I love the idea of, yes, like everything you're doing, everything you're experiencing, you've lived through focused on this one particular problem you're trying to solve does eventually lead you. So yeah, like 30 hours, really more like 30 years, right. Of, (laughs) of your life gone into this. So, Oh, I love that. Joe. Yes. Michelle. Yes, we have to we have to introduce this lovely gentleman because 
the audience is sitting here being like, who is this person? <laughs> or maybe they do. Just some guy. Yeah, just some voice. This lovely voice. Just some Joe. Is just some Joe. He's not just any No, Joe. he's not just some he Joe. He is the author and lovely guest today, Joe Ide. Um, he is uh, joining us. We're so excited. We're a big fan of his. We're trying not to fan out too hard. Um, but Joe's favorite books were the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes stories growing up. And the idea that a person could face the world and vanquish his enemies with just his intelligence was fascinating to him. So he went on to earn a graduate degree and had several careers before writing his debut novel, novel which we highly recommend, titled mm-hmm. IQ. Um, great tie-in to what he just mentioned earlier. And inspired by the early experiences and his love for Sherlock Holmes, there are five, right? Five and... You don't have to tell us, but maybe six of um, cannot wait. I cannot wait. You guys, I'm holding this book like it's my life. Um, I finished this so quickly. If you haven't read these books, as Kim and I would say, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) Invest your time in these books. They are so great. They have made me laugh out loud in public um, with the dialogue to the point that somebody will ask me, what are you reading? These books are fantastic, Joe. I don't know um, who do we need to talk to in Hollywood to make this a Netflix series because these who do we need to talk to in Hollywood the charts? They're so good. You'll be home invested. Option to TV. The first IQ IQ book got option to TV in 2015. Oh. And what happened? Who do we need to protest outside their house about this? It was. Um, getting somebody to write the pilot, getting somebody to write a decent pilot. And they went through a few writers uh, who wrote terrible pilots mm. and got paid a ton of money doing it. Yeah. Um, oh, man, why couldn't that be me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, I used to say that all the time. It's, it's, uh, um, I'm just saying, Joe, in deals, case you need. All these deals and contracts and who gets what and who gets points. And, um, you know, the deals, we finally got it set up at HBO Max. So we have a deal there. Ah. Um, but moving on from that point, uh, I don't know what's happening. Um, I just, I, you know, I can't pay attention to it. I got, I have a day job. You got, you got stuff to do, man. Yeah. Here, I'm going to do this job for you. (laughs) I'm going to find out. I'm going to call up HBO and be like, yo, what's happening? Um, I don't know anybody at HBO. Actually, do I? Let me think on this. Uh, you give me the numbers of people at HBO and I will call them on your behalf because uh, okay. this is a crime. Speaking of crime, uh, we are talking detectives today. Mm-hmm. Listeners, we're talking cool detectives today. Let's go ahead and formally start the show. Gosh. Hey everyone, welcome back to Crush Fictionally. It is here, one of your lovely hosts, Michelle Veray, and with me as always is the very lovely and talented Kimberly Trong. And with us today, we're talking cool detectives with the very cool author all the way from California, Joe Ides, joining us today. Hi, Joe. Hi. And we are talking cool detectives. Joe would know something 
a lot of something about Cool Detectives because he's written uh, five books based on a very cool detective. Um, and the latest one is called Smoke. Um, but you can start with IQ or any of them. I don't even know that you need to start them in order, but I would recommend reading all of them because you won't be able to put them down. You'll want to find out what's going on with these characters. So we usually talk about characters in our first part here where we talk about our number one pick i think that we said cool cool detectives which is a really broad term and as i was going through and trying to make my number one choice um i will say full disclosure i'm not sure that my choice is very cool um same but i was gonna ask both of you like what is it that makes your pick cool or what is it that makes a detective like cool like i was kind of writing down a couple ideas i had and i was like well i definitely think they have to be mysterious and Mm. smart um hopefully hopefully Hopefully. (laughs) otherwise you get into like a peter sellers category right or a maxwell smart i think it has to do with expertise it's like um if you make you know if you're a blacksmith and you make horseshoes uh, but you make the best horseshoes and people who need them come all the way to you, then you are, in your world, the man, and therefore cool. Um, this is I true. Chose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I chose um, Joe Nesbo's Harry Hole. <gasps> uh, that's your number one pick? Amazing. That's it's a really good choice. It no sense. <laughs> He's a yeah. slob. He's a drunk. Um, he's, he's a failure at relationships. He's, just, he's not especially caring or giving, but he has a gift for catching serial killers. Mm-hmm. And when his colleagues are stumped, they come to him. He's the man. He has the expertise and is therefore cool. And he's really dedicated. He's like a dedicated detective, right? Like he, even though he's got his flaws, he's dedicated to finding out what the you know who the killer is or what the connections are kind maybe kind of like your similar to your character IQ or that he's like really wants to to try and figure it out. I think I think being relentless is part mm. of me. Yes. Yes. Just not giving up and um not backing away because it's a struggle or it's dangerous. Ooh. I think this is like the perfect segue into my pick is because I know we'll like say our little, our, our reveal our fictional crushes right now, but yeah. I picked uh mayor Sheehan of mayor of East town. And she is exactly that she is relentless. She will do what it takes, even if it's technically going against the badge or against the rules. And she will do it in order to get to, the end goal which is solving the crime and i absolutely love kate winslet playing this like small town pennsylvanian woman (laughs) with a very thick accent oh she was so good uh smoking a vape uh i don't know why it's just such a funny character choice for her to have this vape she's like awkward but also like rough around the edges and imperfect and i'm but she's so watchable she's so watchable in this this show i think and and she and what i like and maybe um 
Harry Hole is kind of the same, like very unapologetic. I think my choice is very unapologetic too. Like they so are, they are so dedicated to their craft that even if it means, I don't know, crossing a family member or a friend, especially like in a small town where everybody knows each other, that they're, that for Mayor, she's just like, I'm here to solve this problem and figure out who the killer is. And even if it uh, ruffles feathers and upsets people or Kim, like you said, it's going against, uh, you know, the law. She's such a mess. Yes. Look, I am not going to give it listeners. I'm not going to give any spoilers about this show because it's mm-hmm. so good. And I don't want to say a darn thing. I almost feel like even just saying what I've said so far might be ruining it for you, but you know, go on the journey. I swear it's such a great, seven episodes that you'll watch six seven Mm -hmm. uh i forget but they pack in so much in just six and seven six or seven episodes um and it is delightful and the pilot the only thing i'm gonna say is that she sprains her ankle and it's the funniest thing like i don't know why but (laughs) she's chasing after a guy a, a perp and um she like twists her ankle and she's just limping the rest of the episode. And I have no idea why, but this is just even so it's just so funny the way she even carries her limp as if like, it's not a big deal guys. I have a limp. Okay. Like I sprained my ankle, but whatever. And (laughs) she sucks on her vape and does her thing. And I'm, I I just really got caught off guard by this show Mm. and how much Mm. I really enjoyed it because Listen, I love a good murder mystery. Sign me up any day of the week for a good Mm -hmm. murder mystery. I want to know who, you know, I want to know why. I want to go on the journey. I want to be a part of the detective's lives. I want to do this. But I think it's been a while since I've seen a show that I think does it all well. Uh, I think murder mystery books are often much better at doing this than TV shows per se, or even movies, because you get all that internal dialogue and you're, you you get really painted the world of what's happening and go inside the mind of all these different characters Uh, where sometimes TV shows don't lend for that and they get kind of lazy and it's just like, oh, well, it's yeah. like this thing at the end. Uh, I'm looking especially at you. Mystery, especially in a mystery. It's the details. Oh, right. absolutely. I'm looking at you, Riverdale. Um, <laughs> Riverdale. Riverdale's like, look away. We don't know anything about that. I'm looking at you, Riverdale, but I love the journey. It wasn't necessarily about the mystery, but Mayor of Easttown easily is one of those shows where, man, I think it checks all the boxes, like red herring after red herring after red herring, Mm. emotional depth for all of these characters. One minute, I love this character. The next minute, I hate them. The next minute, I'm feeling sympathy for them. I'm like, what what is happening? What a great journey. I loved Mayor of Easttown. Anyway, I've talked a lot about Mayor. Michelle, you haven't even revealed who your crush is, and I need to know ASAP. You you guys need to know um, this is, uh, he is troubled. He's mysterious. He's dedicated. I would say that he's also true, as in true detective. Um, My pick is Rust Cole, played by Matthew McConaughey in the Mm. first season of True Detective. Um, This might be my favorite. I'm going to say it. Um, it. It's my favorite Matthew McConaughey ever. Um, I'm not not against Matthew McConaughey by any means, guys. (laughs) Like, I don't have any problem with him. It's not like a Jared Leto situation. But... um, (laughs) 
this is my favorite character that he has ever played. I thought he was. Yeah, he's so, so he's so interesting and he has so much depth to him. Um, I think this is I like it because it's a departure from these kind of freewheeling free spirits that Matthew McConaughey would normally play calling everybody slick. Yeah. And he's, I feel like he's typecast into, into who he is as a person. And this was very different Um, that he had some charm about him, but he had like this really um, dramatic kind of like damaged past. I won't give anything away for anyone who hasn't watched the first season Mm -hmm. of true detective. I highly recommend it. Um, just like Mayor of Easttown checks all the boxes, this one checks all the boxes for me mm, um, yeah, as far as the character development, the story. And I was so invested in, as Joe, you were talking about, like I was so invested in the characters mm. and the story, the mystery that they were trying to solve and how dedicated mm. they were. And there was just that right amount of mystery of fluctuating between past and present and Mm. not too much just for the sake of doing it, but to keep you on your toes so that you, there was this unpredictability of what was going to happen next. So we were talking about earlier, we were talking about stakes Mm -hmm. and um, for the Woody Harrelson character, it's about um, his past and resolving all these issues, issues that will come up and things that still he carries around all this pain he carries around. Mm-hmm. And um, it it takes a while because he, he starts really unpleasant. Like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But as you get to know him, um, you start to feel for him because he's he's got real pain mm-hmm. inside of him that he has to get rid of, even though he doesn't he doesn't necessarily want to make any effort. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the few roles where he plays it behind the eyes. A lot of it isn't um, this sort of it's kind of big acting. Um, it's more, it's quieter. It's it more behind his eyes. And he, he does, you know, I, I agree. That's that's the most I've ever liked him, actually. <laughs> and, yeah, and like, truly, I love that pair. Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. I loved mm-hmm. how they fed off each other. It, it, that's like another thing that I think it, I also love about detective gen- genres is when there's like a duo, right? Um, I know me and Michelle have laughed a lot about the Rush Hour franchise <laughs> and <laughs> do they count as detectives? And buddy comedies. Maybe. Well, <laughs> yeah. But I love it when um, a detective show also has that dynamic of like I'm the person that does this and I'm the I'm good cop and I'm the bad cop or whatever different dynamic they bring to the table um and yeah that first true detective was so good it was I, just so well done it's, it's so, so well done amazing the and what's great what's interesting is that the creator Nick uh Pizzolatto who is a uh, also has a background in writing. He used to teach uh, fictional uh, literature and writing um, at uh, UNC and a couple and University of Chicago or something like that. And so he wrote that whole first season on his own without anybody from Incredible. like the writer's room, um, which is probably because he was like an author and he and it was intended to be a book. Um, he wanted it to be a novel. And then as he started mm-hmm. writing it, he was like, I think this would be better for TV. And HBO read part of it and thought it would be great for a miniseries, but then they were so enamored with it. They were like, no, not a miniseries, like a full series. So they so 
the writer showrunner Nick Pizzolatto wanted to have Matthew McConaughey, but not in that role as Russ Cole. They mm-hmm. wanted him to play uh, Martin Hart, which is the Woody Harrelson character. Mm-hmm. And Matthew McConaughey didn't even read the entire story for the show. He only read the first two episodes and said, I'm in. He said to HBO, I will be in the show just after reading the first two episodes. And he's like, I want to pay, play Rust Cole. And so mm-hmm. they, he didn't, they didn't expect that, but he said he was in, he thought that the character was so interesting and had all these like little nuances, which was really a departure for him at that point. Yeah. Made a good choice. Yeah. I love Again, it. favorite Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Uh, all right, all right, all right, slick. <laughs> um, that's my Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Perfect. Thought it was him. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> I want to go back to Joe's pick real quick. Now, Joe, th- your character is from a series of novels. I'm sorry. Say again. Your fictional, your favorite detective that you've picked for today. It's from a series yes. of novels. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, Joe wrote a series of characters. His name is Harry Hole, of all things. Harry Hole. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like he got picked up in school. Um, uh, maybe just me with the name Harry Hole. Don't know. But anyway, going back to <laughs> Kim, get serious. Uh, going back to the, the novel series, what ex- uh, is there a book in that series that you think is your favorite or stands out to you? There are two. One's called Red Sparrow, and the other is oh. called Snowman. Mm. Um, but they are both gripping. He is a master of suspense. Oh. He, um, Nespo, you know, he, he cranks up the tension, cranks it up, cranks it up. And then when you can't stand it anymore, he cranks it up some more. <laughs> he's really, he's really something. He's really something. Um, he's sort of on his own mountain. Nobody really writes like him. Um, and, I, you know, I love the character. I love the guy. It's one of those where I, you know, hurry up and write another one. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm going to have to, I'm ashamed to admit that I did not, I, I don't know much about the series, but I know that I now need to dive into it. Michelle, have you read any of these books? I have. Um, he came highly recommended to me because he's, a, is he Swedish? Scandinavian of some yes. sort. And he's like, oh, they're big export after a girl with a dragon <laughs> tattoo or whatever, right? Um but he, but he's got like this these series of books that came recommended to me. I've read um, Snow, the Snowman as well, and oh, it's it's been a while since I've read it, but I remember being so good. I I was traveling when I when I was reading it, and I was read some of it at night, and it's kind of it. I remember that having from the storyline, there's some of the kind of really kind of, uh, I don't want to say creepy, but, you know, very like mysterious, you know, leading moments, a lot of tension. And I'd have to put the book down and like, give it a minute um, because maybe it's not the kind of book you want to read right before you go to sleep at night. It's very visceral. Yes. Yes. Physical reaction. And didn't they do a movie version of it? I don't, I I, feel like. I feel like I saw it and it, it wasn't very good. That's what I, I heard, which I was so disappointed because I, re- I remember liking the book so much mm-hmm. and then being really excited for the movie. And then it did not do well with critics. It turned and- the character into a leading man. And just not Harry Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harry Hall is just drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think it, it, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a mess. 
because it's Michael Linda, Fassbender, um, right? Is it Michael Fassbender who's who's yeah. in the movie? Yes. And mm-hmm. he's he. You need somebody who's a little bit more damaged than Fassbender. Fassbender looks like Fender's he's got it together. So, he's <laughs> so offended too, right now. A little too handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little too much movie star. Yeah. Oh, yeah. now that we're on this topic, it can you guys think of a a book or a detective that has translated well to film? Or like has had like, for example, you guys are probably going to laugh, but I love Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock Holmes. Am I the only one in this camp? Maybe. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes. Joe yes, didn't even were. hesitate, Kim. He said, absolutely. He's like, Kim, you are cut off. Uh, <laughs> do I like a Guy Ritchie version of Sherlock Holmes? Apparently. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but again, I might be in this camp. Uh, is there any others other than me picking that have translated? I'm trying to think. Any other Sherlock Holmes characters? Whoa, whoa, or whoa, any whoa. other characters that translated? Hmm. Yeah, that have translated well from hmm. a book or something else to movie show. Harry uh, Bosch. Oh, Bosch. Yeah, so ah. I've heard great things about Bosch. I have not seen Bosch, but everybody, uh, I guess it's like So L.A. Is that correct? People yeah. are like, oh, my God, you watch the show. It's like So L.A. Um, it's, I have, a, yeah. it's a procedural, um, which, is, which is what um, Michael Connolly writes. These very intricate procedurals about how things are done. And he's, he's a master at plotting. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you read one of his books and he's, he's going off in five different directions. In the first, you know, 60 pages. And when I read him, I go, you know, you're going to have to finish up that stuff. <laughs> that stuff's <laughs> going to have to, you know, have an arc and come back. He's amazing that way. He's amazing. Uh, uh, the, he's, he's the master of pace. Um, in a Connolly book, something new happens like every other page. Wow. You know, he argues Ooh. with his boss and then he has to talk to his partner and he has to go get some evidence. He has to interview somebody and it just goes bang, 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 bang. Um, He's really, he's really something. I mean, his books are so intricate. They're complex. And he writes, this year he wrote two. Wow. <laughs> plus he's, plus he's, he's producing writing the, the TV show. Wow. So I, I, what? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know it's like Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. Horrific. Stephen How? King. Interesting. <laughs> you uh, know, I, I really enjoy the Agatha Christie books. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really recently got into those. I didn't read them when I was younger. Maybe I should have. Um, but I just think it's very cool to have like a female writer who's written as much as she has written in her mm-hmm. lifetime. And what is she, Joe? Like rival the the Bible as far as like publications or how many times her books have been like reproduced in other languages. Like it's unreal. Mm-hmm. And um, but I don't think I haven't seen. I know they just did a couple years ago. They did. Murder on the Orient Express, and it was such a letdown because her main character, uh, the way she, the way she writes, is so interesting. Because I found like in her books, like everyone's a suspect, and you're not really sure. And then it, it again with the unexpected mm-hmm. at the end that you're so invested in trying to figure out who's up to what, who's up to something, and that you have this really intelligent detective. Um, but I feel like on screen he translates into this really like campy kind of joke of a character that he's not really serious, which is kind of how I felt about um, Daniel Daniel Craig uh-huh, and Knives, Knives Out. Out. Like, yeah. 
it was probably the accent for me that really threw it off, but I felt like it, it could have been such a cool, I liked Knives Out. I just felt like it could have been a cooler story with a a, cooler detective. um, um, Agatha Christie wrote Miss Marples and um, Margaret Rutherford later in the series. Mm -hmm. And she's, um, I think she has a kind of cool. I mean, she's elderly, (laughs) she's fussy, you know, she she couldn't do much more than physically than, you know, swing an umbrella. (laughs) Uh, And she lives in this quaint little town. And well, when she gets into a case, everybody underestimates her. Mm, uh, everybody disregards her. Yeah. Um, but she's um, she always she, she always comes through. She's always able to say, "Well, you know, I got the goods, pal." Uh, <laughs> and, I and, love um, that's a good point, that, though. You know that that ability to um, to to keep working in the face of pressure and and obstacles. Yeah, I think that's cool in itself. You know, it's, it's it's not really how you look. It's not really what you drive. You know, um, it is it is these these inner characteristics. Mm-hmm. And if if the writer can convey these in a meaningful way, um, then you know I'm able to jump in. You know, I'm able to read Miss Marples and really like it. That's. I mean, I your point, Joe, about. Uh, being underestimated. I also mm. think that lends into what a, a great detective story is like. Yeah. Everyone always underestimates them or um, I mean, I personally like that angle. I think for mayor of East town, there was an underestimation with her, you know, they bring in this like, you know, uh, uh, sheriff, you know, or state cop. I can't remember what exactly he was, what jurisdiction, but they bring him in because they're like, oh, well, you know, we need help and blah, 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 blah. And it lit a fire under her to like, you know, most definitely want to solve this case with or without this, you know, statey or whatever. Um, I love an underestimated character. It's like so fun to root for them because they're like the underdog. And then with, but with, <laughs> it's always so funny because it's like, why would you underestimate this person? Clearly they know what they're doing uh, all the time. Uh, uh, <laughs> I have always fantasized about being a detective. I watch like all the true crime stuff. Uh, and I wonder, Joe, as a writer, is that something that you've always fantasized about being a detective yourself? Uh, no, I never have. I never <laughs> no? Have. no, never. I'm, I know I'm not smart enough. <laughs> Just, no, for me, it would be the blood. Like, I don't, I would do, oh, do yeah. not well with every, everything else I'd be fine with, but then the blood, I'd be like, oh no, I'm out. Can't look it's, at that. Um, you know, it's, it, I think it's it, one of those essentials about, of coolness is, as you say, is sort of being on the outside, mm-hmm. not being in the mix, mm-hmm. but uh, on the edges of things, watching and listening. Yeah. Um, and that was me as a kid. Well, I, I grew up in um, South Central L.A. It was a you know, big neighborhood, small kid. And I was never in the mix of anything. And I was always on the outside looking in. But it made me a watcher and a yeah. listener. Hmm. And I've been like that my whole life. Um, you'll very rarely see me in the center of something social. I'll always be on the outside. I won't say much. And I'll watch and I'll listen. Um, I tell aspiring writers, you know, when you go into a social situation, um, you're no longer a participant. You're a spy. Mm-hmm. Your job is human nature. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what you can pick up 
when you just watch and listen. You know, like who's a bully? You know, who's right. breaking up with their partner? Right. Who's the drunkard? You know, who's got a hidden agenda? You can't actually tell these things if you just shut up. Yes. <laughs> if you just shut up. It's um, so true. I um I have this, uh, I walk my dog at the same time every day. And um, so I'm walking, and this woman, she comes out of her house, uh, a neighbor lady, and, and I know she was waiting for me because she was walking a little too fast <laughs> and a little too eagerly to be getting the mail. Oh. So we somehow converge on the sidewalk, and she immediately starts telling me about her trip to India. You know how she... Um, uh, rode a raft up the Ganges and she ate street food and she didn't get sick and she went to the temple with all the rats. And, and I'm listening to her thinking, you know, she's not really telling me about India. What she's telling me is, look what a risk taker I am. Mm-hmm. Look how adventurous I am. You know, I'm not just some rich lady lying around in my house. You know, I'm out there in the world. And because I know that about her, I could write about it. I love that. Oh, that's so cool, Joe. I love that. Um, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna sound a little silly for a second. Maybe not silly, but I have, I have studied improv, um, you know, over several years. And improv, you know, yes, we get on stage, we do dumb bits, and you know, d- you know, funny scenes, what have you. But the thing I will always credit improv with is teaching me how to be an amazing listener. Because what you just said, Joe, is essentially what improv is teaching us. It's like, what is the subtext of what is happening? What is really being said in this conversation or in this line or in the scene between these two people? And um, I, I agree. Like there are certain things that I feel like improv has taught me that I've picked up over the years where I'm listening to a conversation and I'm like, oh yeah, we're talking about this, but really this is what this person is trying to get out of their system, which is you know, it's, so it's, fascinating. You, you start as a writer, I'm sure you know this, but you, you're, you're trying to be more emotionally open and sort of feel those feelings that, are, that, that come in between that they're really hard to articulate yeah. and um, nobody notices them, but very, very rarely noticed by other people. Um, around the corner from my house, there was a, a liquor store, A&J Liquor. Winos used to sit out there on orange crates and, and drink Thunderbird all day. <laughs> and one of them, great. one of them was a man named Beck. Beck was very tall. He was elderly and um, he had a very dignified carriage. You know, it, was, it reminded me of Morgan Freeman. Oh. And Beck was always immaculate. You know, he wore um, a fedora, houndstooth fedora. Um, uh, Fancy. Yeah. A tweed uh, jacket, shirt, and tie, and brown shoes with a crease in them, and brown and white spectator shoes. He did this every day. <laughs> wow. So, um, now my older brother's name is, is, is Jack. So, he called me Little Jack, and he called my mother Mrs. Jack. Ah. <laughs> So okay. my mother, she's like, you know, five feet tall, very prim and proper. Um, and, and so every day she would go down to the bus stop, which is right near the liquor store, and catch a bus for work. Mm-hmm. And Beck would be waiting for her. And she would say, you know, good morning, Beck, how are you? And he would say, I'm fine, Mrs. Jack. You know, I'm old and slow, but I'm doing okay. And the two of them would stand there and talk. 
you know, like they were old friends. And mm-hmm. I guess they were. And um, Beck would, would stay with her uh, until she was on the bus just to see that nobody messed with her. And nobody ever did because Beck carried a gun. Oh, oh okay. Oh. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I have this, this image of them, this, you know, this tall, elegantly dressed wino and my little mom, you know, standing there <laughs> talking yeah. to the bus stop. And there was such a, 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 um, a sweetness about it, a wistfulness. Yes. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things you want to get down on the page above and beyond the story. Yeah. yeah. Those oh, are the I things that, that are so hard to capture. Oh, I, Joe, oh my God, you are, you are giving us all these like fantastic stories from we your got life. Chills. Man, I'm I got sure the our chills. listeners are getting chills. <sighs> and I know I said I wouldn't do this at the beginning of this podcast, but too late. It's happening. Um, I already <laughs> told you guys to read these books that Joe has written. Um, I think you will fall in love with them, but they're so. The characters are so rich and you in just telling that story made me think of some of the characters that I've read about in your books that um, I can't remember if I said this before or after we started recording, but I'm so invested in these characters as if they are real people. Um, Isaiah, the main character, um, ugh, I I feel like I can picture his friend Dodson like I'm so invested. Um, I said I wouldn't fan out, but now it's too late. Too late. Um, too late. Already happened. No take back. Um, like I said, I cannot wait for for the next book. And I have I can't. news. I have news. <gasps> Guys, you can't see this because this is clearly audio. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! But Joe just held up a book. His next book called Oh oops. Goodbye Coast. The Goodbye, goodbye Coast. Coast. Guys, Oof. we're gonna. You know, we're gonna Chills put this again. on your Instagram. So we'll public. We'll post a, that. It's a Philip Marlowe novel, and it's contemporary. Um, the Raymond Chandler estate. Um, one of the people on the board was in an airport, and he he picked my book because of the cover. Judge <laughs> <The first, laughs> a book by its cover is what everyone so he, says, right? <laughs> so he reads it on the plane. And he, he thinks, well, you know, maybe this guy could do a contemporary mm-hmm. uh, Marlowe because they want to update it. And they've had other books written in the past, but they never went anywhere. And they were all period pieces. Oh. And so um, this book, uh, Goodbye Coast, is Philip Marlowe in 2021. <gasps> wow. <sighs> Folks? I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't write it like um, Raymond Chandler because nobody can write like and Chandler, mm-hmm. I can only write the way I write. So it's it's multiple characters, multiple points of view. Um, and there are new characters. Uh, Philip Marlowe has a father. Um, and it was it was really fun. <laughs> so really fun when can people get their hands on this? <laughs> How soon Everywhere. can Kim and I get our hands on this? Yeah, yeah. But really, when can we get our hands on this? <laughs> Oh, listen, send me an address where it's sent and I'll get you some. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, no. Joe. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Michelle says, no, I say yes. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I love how we both said that at the same time. But I I was meaning like for selfish reasons. I was like, too. I'm so excited for this for this book and everything you said. But when but can the general public? <laughs> Not that we won't send you our address. But. We are definitely sending you our address. Yes, well, um, you'll let me know what you think. But and when's it available for the general or everybody else? 
Yeah, it's most it's it's the most daunting thing was um, realizing there were millions of fans all over the world that I could disappoint. Oh, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, people have very you know. Uh, um, um, oh, strong opinions fans. in CN. Oh, Marvel strong fans, they know that character inside and out. Yeah. And Raymond Chandler writes first-person noir, which I don't know how to do. Mm. And um, like I said, I just had to write it the way I wrote it. And um, uh, we'll see. Is it it's, is it coming out in this year for general public? In, in February of next year. Oh, February of next year. Wow, we got to wait so long. Oh, Not me and Michelle because we're. <laughs> that, that Sorry, puts guys. IQ6 off. That puts IQ six off until twenty twenty three. Oh man! Wow. Well, that gives it's... our listeners enough time to read all of your other get books because up. they're so get fantastic. I was say that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely love um, them. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit more about some cool detectives that uh, movies and TV shows that are either out uh, or coming out soon. So stay tuned when we return. Hey, it's Rebecca Lieb. And I'm Jason Horton. And we are Ghost Town, a show about weird history, hauntings, unexplained events, true crime, and all kinds of bizarre phenomenon the world over. From unsolved murders to haunted manners. Satanic panic to internet mysteries. Buy a ticket to our abandoned amusement park. A VIP ghost pass to our haunted club? No. Bottle service. We have new episodes of Ghost Town every Wednesday and Friday, and you can find Ghost Town wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Crush Fictionally. Today we are talking cool detectives. And I actually, I want to talk about this movie that was out on HBO Max. It was a part of their movie release series on HBO Max that they were doing with transitioning from theater or theater to uh, streaming. And um, I really enjoyed The Little Things. Uh, It stars Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, Rami Malek, and I had a good time. Uh, I don't know about others who have seen the film, but just to what give was you the, title again? the little things. No, I'll read. I'm going to read this uh, log line for you guys real quick. So Deputy Sheriff Joe Deke Deacon, played by Denzel Washington, joins forces with Sergeant Jim Baxter played by Rami Malek, to search for a serial killer who's terrorizing Los Angeles. Why is it always Los Angeles? As they track the culprit, Baxter is unaware that the investigation is dredging up echoes of Deke's past, uncovering disturbing secrets that could threaten more than his case. Now, again, I really enjoyed this film. I believe it's now permanently on HBO Max if you want to check it out. I love Denzel Washington and everything. I mean, there is something about him. I'm totally here for him playing a detective who is like, you know, at the end of his career, kind of like has this case that has followed him all these years. And uh, he just gets sucked into this this case. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know... (laughs) I, <laughs> Michelle and I have such a beef with Jared Leto and like we have never personally met him but like there's just something about him and uh, things that I've heard but I do like him in this film unfortunately he's a great actor I can't help it he is a great actor I'm not saying he's not a great actor he just doesn't need my <laughs> personal praise for being a great actor right he's gotten he's, he's gotten have an Oscar he's fine oh yeah he's, he's doing good fine in life uh 
he's everyone, every childhood heartthrob from my so-called life. He's fine, guys. He's absolutely. I think okay. he, he makes he makes too many action movies. Mm. Um, you know, he he has such a wide range, but yeah. he's always got a gun in his hand. <laughs> and, and Jared, does, put down so the gun. He's, he's playing the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Denzel the badass. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the same guy. You know, it's yeah. like John Wayne. And he, <laughs> he, can, he, can do, no, he can do much more than that. And um, I wish he would. This is true. I guess he just loves that having that gun in his hand. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah. But damn, he does it well. Uh, I'm not yes. going to lie. Um, and then speaking of HBO, Michelle, you yes. watched The Flight Attendant. I did watch The Flight Attendant. Uh, someone recommended it to me. I'm not a huge Kaylee Cuoco fan from, you know, I know she's from The Big Bang. Um, but she... I actually really enjoyed this. Um, it's a, I'll just give you a quick summary for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. It is also on HBO Max. Um, a reckless flight attendant with a hair comes up again, an alcohol problem, <laughs> wakes what? up, wakes up in the wrong hotel, in the wrong bed with a dead man. And she's Uh-oh. got no idea how it happened. That's not a spoiler because if you watch like the trailer, they show you that. So she is in the process of trying to piece together the night of what happened, how she got into this predicament. And she begins to wonder if she, in fact, is the killer. So there is somewhat of a detective story there i think this is more of like an interesting like unraveling of a mystery Mm -hmm. where you have a main character who falls into that category of fluctuating between likable and unlikable and sometimes you're not you you're not sure if you're rooting for her or if you're just like uh, she's a big old mess and if she's the killer well too bad (laughs) but it's very interesting (laughs) and then and they do a very nice fluctuation between you know, um, flashbacks and not too much of them. So mm. it really keeps you uh, guessing as as to what happened. And um, it has the the main male character is played by Michael Huseman, who you guys might know from Game of Thrones. Um, I think he's also in Haunting of Hill House that first season. Mm. Um, easy on the eyes, for sure. Um, but he is also dead. But in the flashbacks, he's not dead. So enjoy <laughs> michelle if michelle loves herself a cross double cross triple cross i love myself a flashback now if you know if you know if you know me as a writer if you know me as a person you probably know that kim loves herself some flashbacks anyway flashbacks callbacks sign me up i will be watching the flight attendant now that was a great sale um and mm-hmm. earlier oh go ahead joe what i'd like to see is a network detective show that's cast with ugly people Thank you. No, I'm not joking. Thank you. I yeah. agree. Like they, think about they, think about Hawaii Five O with all with all abnormal looking people. Cats. Yeah, people who actually yeah. look like they are cops and detectives. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I I've worked 12 years in cybersecurity, and oftentimes when people find that out, they'll go, "Oh my God, Kim, um, do you watch Mr. Robot?" Or insert, you know. Uh, cybersecurity themed film or movie uh film movie tv show 
And I'm like, no, because none of these people ever look like hackers. These people don't even know how to use a, they don't even look like they know how to use a Windows computer. Like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I cannot, like, don't get me wrong. I think Rami Malek is fantastic in Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. I also am here for Christian Slater, but I, I'm not going to lie. And I, and I hate sounding like this person, but the women who they've cast as these people who are cybersecurity experts and hackers don't look anything like the women that I know who are major players in cybersecurity. And this is no, you know, they look like anybody. actors. They look yeah. like not even just good looking actors. They mm. look like supermodels. I'm like, what are you doing? These people look mm. like they should be on a runway. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I was just very fed up with a lot of the casting. And then when they did uh, Chris Hemsworth and Black Hat, I was like, oh, forget it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I can't. Like, this is crazy. This is absolutely nuts. Like, Chris Hemsworth as a hacker? Come on. No. So I'm with you, Joe. Let's have mm. more convent you know realistic realistic and you know again i know beauty's in the eye of the beholder and what have you but there are just some people who are like okay you are clearly attractive to everybody uh you do not need to be playing a hacker a cop a detective insert realistic I like the, um i like the wire a lot oh love mm. the wire i like the casting yeah. it's fantastic the fi- you know, they like- look like they look, like real yeah, they look like real people. I, yeah. I, I was so tempted to uh, bring up The Wire on this episode, but I have talked about The Wire in the past. But, <laughs> Joe, I'm so glad you gave me a reason to talk about The Wire because, <laughs> oh, my God, talk about detectives who are gray, gray, gray. There's no black and white with these people. Like, so much gray, so much nuance. I am in love with The Wire. Oh, that show is incredible. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Kim, stop talking about The Wire because you have to give (laughs) some news. So we talked earlier about True Detective. Well, True Detective is getting a season four. HBO and HBO Max chief content officer Casey Bloys confirmed to Deadline that a fourth season of the Emmy-winning anthology crime series is being developed with new writers in the hope of, quote, finding the right tone and take on a new story. So um, Nick Puzzolato, who is the showrunner, as Michelle mentioned earlier, he is going to be overseeing the fourth season, but they're bringing in a slew of new writers to really hopefully, I guess, reignite that flame that maybe some of the past seasons haven't had. So... Yeah, I think that first season was like lightning in a bottle. I feel like the the second season uh, really wasn't that great to me. Maybe there Mm. were people out there who liked that second season, but I just didn't love the storyline. I wasn't invested in the characters. I I kept waiting for something to happen. And then the show ended. I was like, wait, what? When's the stuff happening? Um, And season three was all right, but not as great as that first season. So we'll see. I also think it has to do with... um, uh, the director, Carrie uh, Fukunagua, who did the directing in season one of True Detective. And he's really good. He's uh, He directed the new James Bond that's coming out, uh, No Time to Die. He's slated to do uh, Tokyo Ghost, which is based on a comic mm-hmm. book series that right. I think we've talked about on one of the episodes previously. So I don't know. I think the stakes are really high uh, f- for True Detective. So... 
who knows, but um, I'm excited if, to see what they, they come. I'm not mad at Mahershala Ali. I can never be mad I mean, at him, but never, <laughs> never will be mad at him. Uh, he's actually a really lovely guy. He's one of my Hollywood sightings. I was in a diner in Eagle Rock and it, and me and my friend were just talking and my friend looks past me and is like oh my god and i'm like what she's like do not <laughs> make a scene because we're in like this small diner and she's like oh my god it's mahershala ali behind you and i was like oh <laughs> it took everything in my power to not crank my neck immediately and look behind me and sure enough um it was a very slow day in the diner. We were like just a few people in there, but everybody recognized him. And he so lovely came down the aisle and like, you know, we're all trying to like play it cool, right? Like I'm not making a scene or anything. And he just so like lovely, like my friend like held up her fist at him and he held one back and smiled at the both of us. And I was just like, I love you. Anyway, that's my... <laughs> I love a good celebrity. I love a good celebrity sighting, a good <laughs> fan interaction. I love that. I love that. Well, I read somewhere that he got the part in True Detective because he used a picture of his, his grandfather to kind of prove to the um, mm-hmm. creators and the writers that he could play this character who oh. plays different mm-hmm. ages within and, and at different times in his life. Um, and so that's part of one of the reasons that he got the job. And I thought that was very cute. That side is story. very cute. Speaking also too, of like these like TV execs wanting to extend a show, maybe beyond the life that maybe it should have been given mayor mm-hmm. of East town, as I so uh, happily talked about earlier, I love the show, but fans are asking for a second season. And I'm like, please don't do that to us. Like, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I want to, I feel like I could watch another season, but like I, I feel like they wrapped everything up and it was perfect. I think they did that to Big Little Lies as well. Big Little yeah. Lies was a really great show that could have ended and they've extended it now, what, to three seasons, maybe four? I'm oh, not really Lord. sure, but I just don't know that they needed anything after. Maybe that's the way I feel about True Detective, not to take anything away from our favorite fan interaction with Mahershala Ali, but I think that they could have just ended with that first season. It was just such, so killer. And I, and I love that everything I was, went down a rabbit hole of reading all the stuff, these fun facts about the show and Matthew McConaughey's character of Russ Cole and how he wrote Matthew McConaughey sat down and wrote this like um, 400 page dissertation about this character and his motivations and different points in his life since they, since he plays past, past, present, future versions of this character. And they all had like different chapters. And so that that's how he created this character. And then he watched the show in real time with everybody else. So which is, I think is a very Matthew McConaughey thing to do to like mm. sit down on a Sunday night and watch himself just kill it on this show. <laughs> like, I just he's like sitting there so being like, funny. yo, I'm good. <laughs> you think that's he's sitting there. That's <laughs> yes, exactly in this interview he was doing on like with Rolling Stone, I think it was. And he was talking about, I have sat down. He's like, I got the episodes in advance, but instead I'm watching them live just how everybody else is watching them so i can digest them and process you know the acting and the storyline and the characters just Mm -hmm. like everybody else's and the only time he didn't was when he was winning his oscars his oscar for um 
Dallas Buyers Club because he was at the Academy Awards. Mm. I was like, if that isn't the most Matthew McConaughey thing <laughs> to do, I don't know what it is. You know, I don't follow these folks as closely as you do. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I I don't really know any of the young actors. Um, you don't just, need to. I just don't keep track. And, you don't um, have to. You know, I, I I read a lot more than I watch TV. Mm. It's really hard. I'm supposed it is for you to, to like find something as good as True Detective that you want to latch on to. Yeah. And when you do, it's it's don't end. You know. Yeah. Just a few more episodes, please. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then no when to stop. I, I you know. Like I don't know about um, McConaughey. I don't know about him. Um, or Woody Harrelson. It's um, I'm so terrible actually with names, and titles, and where I watch something, and all these things. It's I remember sort of the emotional impact or something. Yes. Yeah. I oh. That. But, yes. You know, ask me what movie it was. I have. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the same with, is, the same oh. thing with books. It's the same thing with books. Listen, you don't have to do that. I remember reading Joe Nespo, but I I had to go find the book to remember the title. Remember the title of it. You know, our brains are crazy. You know, I remember lyrics from 1994, but I can't remember what I ate yesterday. So, like, you know, it's wild. But you don't have to do this, uh, Joe, because Michelle and I, you know, we're that's the, what we're here for. That's we're what we're here. here for. We're here, like, to know the dumb things, that <laughs> the dumb fun facts nobody about Matthew McConaughey knows. and Jared Leto that nobody I'm, cares I'm about. Reassured. but i love that you said that yeah i literally just thought that the other day almost the exact same sentence i i was trying to remember something and it dawned on me that i may not remember all the nuance and all the details of a tv show or the character names or what have you but i'll remember how the show made me feel and Mm -hmm. i think if you do that as a writer, you've done your job. Like at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I don't care about someone's character name. I don't care about what this particular character said to this other character in episode four. I care about what how it made me feel witnessing mm-hmm. that scene or that moment. Because um, that's what makes good storytelling, right? Like if mm-hmm. like it's funny because I was making my list of I was like, what makes a cool detective? And then who would be like on my list that I would choose from? And as I was going through some of these mysteries, you know, mysteries or murder, murder mysteries, thrillers, and I could pick out which ones had really strong detective characters. I couldn't remember some of their names. So I was like, I think there was a really cool detective in this story but like i love the flight attendant but i remember not being enamored with the person who was playing the role of the detective because he wasn't really that consequential to moving the story forward or maybe i just wasn't invested in the character which isn't saying saying anything bad about the actor per se it's just i wasn't emotionally connected to that part of the story but the story was still a good one haunted by the first true detective same that, was the yeah. that I that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 was very it was very haunting thing. This kind of suspenseful presence, it, mm-hmm. kind of um, uncertainty. Yes, just, you know, like this anxiety. It gave us low level anxiety. It's just all of this uncertainty about character and story and everything else. And the way it was shot with 
It was, it was very, yeah, it was very ominous too, it, right? Oh, it was, and it had to do, yeah, there were, there's one episode in particular, which, um, like I said, I won't give any spoilers away because I feel like if you haven't seen it, you have to watch this go- not knowing any of the spoilers or any of the details of the plot. But there is one episode um, that I remember watching it because it was so I, I can still recall exactly how I felt watching this one episode. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys know which one I'm talking about, but it was very there was so much tension. It was like, there was so much tension. I felt like I wasn't even breathing. Obviously mm-hmm. I was when I was watching it, but I felt like I held my breath because of the suspense and the tension. And then as I was doing more research about the show and the characters and how they came about that, that one episode was done in one take. Oh, and, and I, and oh, so there's just this whole about. feeling of, yeah, of that, of yeah. that's why I think, I don't know if it, we caught this in the, in, on tape, but I don't know that I'd go back and watch it because of the, not because I don't love the show, just because of the way it made, it made me, me feel. It made, it, feel. Made, yeah. it made me feel a little bit creeped out and scared and um, holding my breath all the time. I don't necessarily need to go back and revisit it, but I think it's it's a really well done mm-hmm. show, but definitely calls back to those feelings of the first time seeing it and everything that I felt along the way. Yeah, okay. I don't, I think some things, it shouldn't really try to duplicate them. And that, that might mm-hmm. be one of them. Yeah. You know, it's like the Coen brothers made a, a remake of True Grit. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It was highly unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's just highly unnecessary. Oh, man. We're in re- reboot hell. I don't know what they were thinking. They were going to do it better. They were. I, uh, I don't know what they were thinking. I just, hmm. Yeah. Was, I can't tell you. We were just saying that before you joined us, Joe, is that we're a little bit tired of some of the reboots and the, I don't know, whatever, the redos of the same Mm -hmm. storyline or the same movie or TV show. Like, I feel like we've seen it. We don't necessarily need another Hawaii Five-0. And meanwhile... Uh, hello, Joe's book is not a movie or a TV show yet. What the hell? <laughs> I am patiently um, waiting. Patiently this is waiting. really annoying. Um, I know we need to do honorable mentions, but I'm going to throw out these two movie recommendations for anybody who wants to like feel anxious for two hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> Uncut Gems and Good Time. They're done by the same brothers. And of course, I'm blanking on their names. But um, holy crap, you Afty? are... Say that again? Safety Brothers? Yes, thank you, Michelle. Coming in with the the knowledge. So, you. oh my God, those two movies are... Wait, it was Uncut Gems, and what's the other one? Good Time. Good Time. And they are both just... You are uncomfortable the entire time, and it's just so unpredictable. And oh my god, it's like it doesn't follow like traditional movie structure. It, it yeah, it has like a beginning, middle, and end, or whatever. But there's just something about it that is like a wild ride, and I really appreciate it. Even though I will never see those two movies ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Uncut Gems in the theater and that was even more uncomfortable because you're obviously immersed in this film and the music is just out of control, like uncomfortable. So I'm going to put those two out there if you are a masochist and you're like, I want to be uncomfortable for at least two hours. There you go. You're welcome. I don't know if I want to pay for that. 
Yeah, to pay to be uncomfortable. That's one of the reasons I don't like roller coasters. I'm going to pay you to scare me. No. I'm the same way with haunted houses or like haunted house. Oh. I don't like it when they pop out at me. I'll do a roller coaster, but you know, I'll it's do a roller be... coaster, but haunted house, no dice. You got to no find dice. someone else to go. Yeah, with no, you. Thanks. No, no, thank you. No, I don't need some man that. chasing me with a fake I mean, chainsaw. Somebody you know, as an actor, you know, is coming, jumps out <laughs> at you. And you would, that's scarier than a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. To me, it is. Uh, Listen, fear is different in all people, I suppose, right? <laughs> fear to me is a paid actor uh, who is p- getting paid minimum wage to attack me with a fake uh, rubber knife. That is my that is That's my your nightmare. That's, that is your my, nightmare. <laughs> that's my nightmare. Anyway, honorable mentions. Let's like throw out some honorable mentions for some cool. Oh, I will. Before we head into honorable mentions, I don't know that it will make you feel uncomfortable. But it's getting a lot of buzz is the new Sean Penn movie called oh, Flag yeah. Day, where he plays a, a counter a, a father who has a double life. He's a counterfeiter, bank robber, con man, extraordinaire, and. Uh, I'm trying to think if it was at Cannes or where it premiered, but his daughter is also in it and plays his daughter on screen, and they're both apparently fantastic. So mm. that should, that's coming out maybe this month, Flag Day. Flag Day. All right. Honorable mentions time. It's like the time where we are throwing out some cool detectives, quote unquote cool, whatever your definition of cool is, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't make it to your number one spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, any of you lovely folks want to go first and throw out a name? Uh, Kurt Wallander. And uh, I don't know who Kurt Wallander is. Who's that? Uh, he's um, his latest incarnation, um, Kenneth Bernard. Renault played him. Oh, I see. Um, it's another Scandinavia thing. It's very dark. And it's, it's a character much like um, uh, Harry Hall. Oh, <laughs> oh you got a, a type. You, you got, got a, a type. He's too much, eats too much junk food. He hates exercise. Uh, he has diabetes. diabetes. <laughs> 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 Why does that make me laugh out loud? He has um, the social skills of a snapping turtle. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he's he's like he's like brilliant at his job with this huge intellect, and um, he didn't he didn't beat out uh, Harry Hall because Harry Hall is is morose, like he's very inward, mm-hmm. and um, Wallander is more uh, more obvious an asshole. So I that's why we dropped the second place. Is there anybody else on your list, Joe, other than than Kurt? Not that I can think of. Well, mm. hold on. This um uh hair, hair, Kurt guy, what what series of books is he from? Um that's uh, it's like a series about Kurt Wallander. And if you just uh, um yeah, you look that up and you just Google um, it, Kim. The last one I read was called Faceless Killers. Oh okay. yeah, what's uh, up with the They're very they're very dark and very moody, very uh, Scandinavian. <laughs> What's with the Scandinavians with this of, dark no, content? You, hey, it gets, it's dark there all the time. <laughs> like clouds, you know, lots of clouds and horizons and stuff. Yeah. Um, oh. But Bernal's version was pretty good. You know? He's not. Again, it's 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 um, 
you know, they they sort they don't want to have they don't want to have a, they don't have a drunk they don't want to have you know somebody's really messed up, and so they clean him up a lot. Which, Hollywood, um, hmm. God dang Hollywood! Do you remember Hill Street News? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, those people look like regular people. Yeah. And for Jimmy true. Smith, no. <sighs> Hollywood, take I know that the I note. Have I don't know that I, to be fully honest, I don't know if there's anybody on my honorable mention list who looks like a regular person. Oh, uh, mine do. Do, mm. do mine? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? Let me throw out my honorable mentions real quick. Go for it. Uh, Adrian Monk from the show Monk, played mm-hmm. by Tony Shalhoub. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That was my jam when I was in college. I watched so much Monk. I love that show. <laughs> if you do not know the show, Monk, you should watch it. It is about a detective and he's got OCD. So imagine OCD detective. He is love so it. uncomfortable. So the comedic, his comedic physicality with any, every interaction with people, he's got to like, you know, he you can't touch him. He's a germaphobe. He is like, he can't do anything without like fixing it. Even if it's like, and <laughs> he's in the middle of like, um, inter, you know, interrogating yeah. somebody. It's so good. Talk about like oddly imperfect detective. I'm here for it. There is this one scene I'll never forget. I think it's like the funniest thing. I'm going to try to not burst out laughing, just repeating it. But there is a scene where these there's this little boy and Tony Shalhoub and him are like alone in like the police, uh, you know, one of the maybe police rooms or whatever, or like waiting rooms. And the boy says to Monk, um, Pete and repeat jump on a boat. <laughs> Pete you know jumps joke? off. <laughs> Pete jumps off. Who's left on the boat? And Monk can't not answer. And he keeps saying repeat. So then the boy just keeps repeating the story. <laughs> and it's the dumbest joke, but it keeps going on forever. And you just see Monk trying to not answer the question <laughs> every time. And it's just so good. Anyway, I love Monk. I had to put him on this list. Mm-hmm. I also I, love. I was introduced. I was introduced to Monk just by accident. I was flipping channels, and so I came in in the middle of an episode. Oh, and I'm thinking, this is a detective. <laughs> yeah, because he's kind of a goof. He's not. Yeah, he was a sidekick or something. But he, <laughs> it's, it's so cool. funny. Oh, it's so funny. funny. Um, it's on like the level of the show Psych. They're kind of like in the same world where it's like comedically like uh you know imperfect detectives. Uh, so I I I just love Adrian Monk. Psych is actually another one too. I should have put on the list. I absolutely love that show, and uh, that was another thing I also watched in college. Um, I'm gonna throw out Marge Gunderson, played by Frances McDormand from the movie Fargo. I mean, I'm here for the accents. She is so great. She's pregnant. I mean, talk about a woman putting two and two together and just following the leads. I mean, I love her in this role. She looks like a real person. And I love Frances McDormand and how she's just like, don't put me in makeup ever. She's fantastic. Broadcast all the way through. Yeah. It's oh, end to end. Uh, uh, John C. Macy. Wait, William C. Macy. Oh my God, I'm getting all these guys mixed up. Oh my God, the cast is just out of control. Like 
great Steve Buscemi. I mean, come on now. But yeah, love me some Fargo. Um, don't you know? And <laughs> I had to put him on here because he was a childhood favorite of mine. Ace Ventura, pet detective, played by Jim Carrey. <laughs> I mean, the movie does not hold up in a lot of ways, but the jokes are very funny. And I, I, I think a lot of the jokes hold up. It's very funny, very zany, as you can imagine, Jim Carrey mm-hmm. being. So I had to throw those out there. Mm-hmm. Michelle, do you Who have I any? got? Uh, well, from yeah. one ridiculous mention to the other, um, <laughs> I had to mention Thomas Magnum, Tom Selleck, <laughs> and TC, played by Roger E. Mosley from Magnum P.I. I watched it as a kid. I don't know what my parents were thinking allowing me to watch this show because <laughs> I think it was a little bit racy for the age that I was watching it at. But um, this is Tom Selleck in his prime um, doing some detective work, looking spicy and um they've got really cool like uh helicopter uh his friend tc i feel like he's the muscle and the brains but anyways um i had to mention magnum pi i actually like um jessica jones played by Kristen ritter um in the netflix series jessica jones um as a private uh, another private eye um you know she's got some superpowers and i'm not mad about it but um i think that she plays a very cool character and a very watchable one um this one, I, I have to mention it. Kim might laugh at this. It's based. I said Ace Ventura. So well, I also just said Magnum PI, but <laughs> live with it, people. Um, this is actually based on a real person, um, Javier Pena, who is a real person, um, paid by, played by Pedro Pascal in Narcos. Um, oh, such yeah. a good show. And his, his character is very cool. Um, usually uh, sometimes up to no good, but I'm not mad about it. And then um, this is probably the most real looking person I've got on my list, which is Detective Colin Zabel, played by Evan Peters in The Mayor of Easttown. Um, I mm. like um, Evan Peters in some of the other things that he plays, but he plays kind of a good guy in this in this role as Detective I Zabel. Loved and in this. Oh. I loved him and was rooting for him the entire time. So that says something about my connection with that character. So Can I ask you something? Yeah. Why are um, Asians always cast as the coroner? <laughs> Joe that? coming in with the hot. That's uh, a hot take. The, the hot take. You know what? I don't know. But I guess like because uh, we're scientists in like every other regard. It's We're always the scientist. I don't know why. It's like we're either the mathematician or the scientist. Right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or the mm-hmm. butt of the joke. Um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Hollywood. Yeah. Why can't there be an Asian detective? You know what? Well, if we're going to do like a million reboots of Sherlock Holmes, why not make Sherlock? Can't Sherlock Holmes be Asian then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Joe says no with that look. But um, why not? Hollywood some take? crazier things. Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> come on now. True. Uh, we, there's so much to do uh, in Hollywood in terms of representation and really, you know, not even just like adding more Asians to TV shows and movies, but making sure that we are playing a variety of characters. Because I don't know about you, Joe and Michelle, but the Asians I know are all, you know, they hit all the spectrum of humanity. And yeah. it, I, yes, I am great scientist. You know, I get that. That's cool. Um, but, uh, I would love to, yeah, I, I'm definitely not a scientist. 
Uh, me, I'm definitely not a scientist, and I don't think I know a single scientist, uh, but I do know quite a few doctors. That is what I will say. It's interesting because at that, Joe, you bring up such a good point. Now I'm sitting here going, do you have, in order to see an Asian detective, do you just have to watch a movie like a, a foreign a foreign film? Yeah. Or um, a romantic lead. Thank yeah. you. Yes, romantic yeah. leads. I yeah. I oh God, it wasn't you know made in Japan or Korea. Right, right. Oh man, don't make me get my soapbox out because I will, man. <laughs> oh Jesus, stand on it for days talking about this. But yeah, it, there's so much work to be done in Hollywood, and it's one of those things where I'm like, this is not hard, guys. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really not hard. Uh, Shonda Rhimes, I think, said this where when she was casting. Grey's Anatomy, uh, she put on the casting call any ethnicity. And what ultimately ended up happening for a lot of the characters, if she listed it as any ethnicity, because she wanted diversity on the show and she knew that, mm-hmm. ultimately what casting would bring her were white people. And so she had to get to a point where she was like, okay, you're not hearing me. <laughs> Uh, When I say any ethnicity, I mean literally any ethnicity and you're bringing me all white people. So she had to get to a point where she was saying not white um, or Asian or black. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She had to be specific, which is very sad that, you know, that it had to get to that point. But ultimately, I think she had one of the most diverse cast of all of network dramas mm-hmm. that I've seen and I mean introduced us to the likes of Sandra O oh and so many great actors and actresses mm-hmm. on that show I I love what she's done for diversity especially for network television so yeah I don't know and then she created the um Bridgerton which is very diverse mm-hmm. and was like off the charts and I was like people want to see diversity um I think it was up until maybe this week was one of the this was still the most watched show on Netflix. Wow. You know, the, showrunner, the showrunner on, uh, on IQ is a guy named Matt Carnahan. Uh, he came from House of Lies. Mm-hmm. He wrote the pilot, which is very good. Um, but he's hiring, a, he's going to have an all black writers. Wow. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And awesome. uh, there's a director attached named Dion Taylor, who's done small movies, but they're really good. You know, yeah. the genre really good. Um, and he's one of those guys that knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And so he got um, he got uh, Snoop Dogg uh, involved. Snoop is executive wow. producer. Mm. He'll be the face of the show and uh, he'll do some of the music. I love that. Amazing. Um, Ooh. Yeah. I mean, it's there's some nice pieces there. Um, uh, but I don't know where they're stuck. I don't know. I read the pilot. That was really good. I don't know. Oh, I had a certain point. uh, HBO and things are coming back to me now. (laughs) HBO and uh, um, one of the producers, Alcon, um, we're at an an impasse about money. Mm. And then um, HBO said, well, why don't we do four movies? Oh. Um, Because Alcon has its own financing. So it could just make the movies without asking anybody. Mm-hmm. And right. um, uh, but Matt, the showrunner, and the the, the other producers, um, Alex Gardner, he's from Chuck Rogan's company. 
Um, they said it's a TV show. They said it'll be much more culturally significant as a TV show. Wow. Um, like The Wire. Yeah. Yeah. I could see so that. So how that worked out, I don't know. But I know we're back on doing it as a TV show. Oh, so. Well, there's still time, guys, to read the books and then get you caught can up. See, yeah, get caught up and you can see how the show, when it comes out, measures I'm up against the books. So the books are so funny and so great. And there was there every time, Joe, I know. And I know I said I wasn't going to fan out. So I apologize in advance again. Just but into every I am. I'm obviously leaning into it. I can't Just stop do it. This. Um, every time I read the I read the first book and I didn't know where it was going, meaning like I didn't you know, when you're reading like we talked about this at the top of the podcast that you you reading a mystery, you want it either you're invested in the, the characters, which I was. But for me, like I, I, I wanted the unexpected, you know, I didn't have to be a double cross cross, but I didn't want to know what was going to happen. And you get me every time I switch. Like we have never, obviously you guys, Joe and I've never met. Um, but every time I read these books, I think I've figured it out. And he gets me every time I get to the end and I'm like, Oh, that was so good. And I never saw it coming. And so um, clearly IQ, IQ was passed on by the first six publishers. See what this is a crime. They said they didn't know what it was. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't a thriller. It wasn't a high school or high school. And uh, they they said they didn't know how to market it. What? And yeah. And um, uh, anyway, my agent told them we'll figure out a way to market it. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a <laughs> that's good, good agent, agent right there, Joe. Seriously, because yeah. I uh, li- look, I think this is like the writer's. Uh, uphill battle right where we are like but it's so clear to me what this is and how it can impact people and what people will get out of it and what mm-hmm. you know and then someone reads it and they just took the <laughs> wind out of your sails and they're like i don't know and you're like oh god what have mm-hmm. i done but yeah no i i love that i hear i love hearing inspirational stories like that the first six publishers passed on my book because uh, you little know brown, as a writer, little brown um, there was a there was one executive there, editor there that my agent knew liked this kind of thing, and sent him the book. He read it and he fought for it. And um, uh, because everything's done by management team, so if you want the company to buy a book, you have to defend it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sell the book to the team, mm-hmm. as well as explain how it's going to be marketed and you know who it's going to be marketed to. It's a fight to get a book. It's your company to buy a book. And um, so uh, Little Brown uh, made a deal. And, um, oh, hmm, it's something nobody talks about is money. Oh. uh, uh, An advance from one of the big five publishers, Mm -hmm. they range from $25,000 on the low end to $100,000 on the high end. Most of them, $100,000 is extremely rare. Uh, most of them land around thirty-five dollars to $40,000. Okay. Um, I got a $100,000 advance Whoa. For, two, for two books. Okay, gotcha. Okay. And the only reason I got a little more is because my agent's a big deal and I didn't want to upset her. Mm-hmm. So, that, that's the secret. The deal, get a great agent. <laughs> yeah. Get an agent. The deal broke deal. down like this. I got $40,000 up front. 20 for the first book, 20 for the second. It's a two-book deal. Um, then I got 15000 when I finished the rewrites to my editor's satisfaction. That took months. Mm. 
And then I got another 15,000 when the book was actually launched. That took months. So $70,000 I made over the course of a year, right? Less 15% from my agent and whatever the taxes were. And I got what I got. (laughs) 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 And, you know, the royalty situation is is, uh, you get 5% 5 on the first, no, yeah, 5% on the first 5,000 books, uh, 12.5 for the next 5,000 and 15% thereafter. You guys sell one hell of a lot of books to pay back a hundred thousand. Right, it's, a, it's an yeah. advance on sales. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, IQ was hot as a bullet. Just came out of the gate that way, mm-hmm. and I made ten thousand dollars in royalties for the first year, and I didn't get that. I didn't get that money till the second year. Oh, dang! <laughs> you just got to be realistic about money mm-hmm. and um, TV movie options. Um, you know. It seems like everybody's getting, you know, an option, but they're extremely rare. It, yeah, um, yeah. I asked my my media to my books to media agent. You know, I want to be tell people be realistic about this, and he said, "Well, here's if you want to be real, you're not going to sell this in the context of thousands of submissions." Right. Yeah. So an option is very rare, and from a big time producer. The option fee is somewhere between five and seventy-five hundred dollars. Mm. Yeah, um, this is for new writer. Um, I got I got twenty-two thousand five hundred dollars. It was a six-way bidding war, um, which was considered extraordinary for a new writer. Wow, fifteen percent commissions. Right. <laughs> yes. I got you what I got. that good agent. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> um, you know the the way you really start making money money is your third book catch yourself mm. and then people go back and buy the first one second yeah. one. but um aspiring writers man they got all these crazy ideas about advances yeah. you know? oh uh, i would love to get paid a publisher, it's a lesser advance like less than 35 yeah so it's it's they're, they're looking for writers who can write who can make a career out of writing books? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. One quality book after another, mm-hmm. and you you might hear somebody say, you know, somebody in publishing say, "Well, we're looking for the next Harry Bosch," but the, what they're really saying is, "We're looking for the next Michael Connell." Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're yeah. looking for writers. Yeah. Yeah. That can sustain a career. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a, a lot of spying writers. You know, they they focus on ideas. You know, high concept ideas, but I tell you, ideas are highly overrated. Ain't this the truth? Mm-hmm. Because every time I think of an idea, I'm like, oh, it's already been done. Um, but it's, what it's makes execution. it execution? Mean, exactly, what, it's what how you is, execute the actual is, idea. Detective mm-hmm. case, detective Ah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Felicia Yap, she wrote a book called Yesterday. And the, the, the one line is, one liner is this, a woman has to solve a murder, but she can only remember what happened yesterday. Mm. Done. But she wouldn't have sold it unless she executed it. She's a really good writer. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, God. I, uh, we don't need to be here all day talking about Kim's history of writers that she knows that have great ideas, but no execution um, or poor yeah. execution. Yeah, it, it, truly. I'm Joe. Man, Joe, you are giving us all the good 
the giving us all the hot gossip and, and insight and, and everything. Like, I feel like we need to market this episode as like, hey, are you an aspiring author? You need to listen to this episode because Joe's spitting some truths. Oh my God. This is by helpful way, to anyone. By the way, I, I teach a class, a Zoom class. On okay, well, I'm going to hit you up for this. <laughs> yeah. And um, it takes about an hour, no cost for me. And, um, you know, we're looking for hosts, really. We can get a group together. So if you guys are interested, I will send you the press release. Because <clears throat> I've done yeah. it for, I've done it for yes. podcasts yeah. and, and, and book festivals and bookstores and college classes. So it's sort of, I, you know, I came up with it in lieu of a tour. So uh-huh. um, it, it was just, it was a way to, to get my face in front of people. I love this. Ooh, yeah. Well, I'm going to take this class because uh, I'm currently trying to write my own mystery. Anyway, okay. that's a whole other, <laughs> this is for a whole other <laughs> conversation. Uh, Joe, I've had the best time with you. I mean, yeah. come on. This has been a fantastic been episode from end to end. We mm-hmm. have been talking everything from cool detectives on how to realistically, you know, uh, write be in the author be game. A, yeah. How to write. How to write well. How to write well. Nuanced it's, characters. It had a lot to do with the hosts. They did promise Joe this would be fun. We did. So we're, we, we truly did. We set the bar very high right before the call. We were like, <laughs> yo, Joe, this is going to be nothing but fun. And then I've been just tap dancing this entire time uh, to make sure that Joe had fun. <laughs> you guys are definitely fun. Never worry about that again. Oh, <laughs> thanks, that. Joe. Oh, man. I feel like, you know, I feel like we're family now. I do. I'm just going to say the same thing. Come back anytime, Joe. We're, you're our uncle and, you know, just accept it. Really? I mean, you guys are helping me. You're helping me support my book. So, yeah. Um, oh, so. an amazing, yeah. amazing series of novels. So, um, guys, you guys got to follow and uh, Joe on Twitter. Is it Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Yes. Great. You guys got to follow him on Twitter. We'll share that on our Instagram page on how you can follow him. Mm-hmm. Also, you got to check out the new book, The Goodbye Coast, which is coming out next year. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can, can check out the IQ books. novels. You can yes. start with IQ. Um, righteous. Wrecked. Righteous high five. High five. And smoke. Oh, I did that without even looking. Ooh, oh, oh sometimes I surprise myself. Um, if anybody message us, I'll tell you which one um, is my favorite because they were all so darn good. But there was one that I got to the end and I was I remember thinking, Joe, I was like, if this isn't a TV or a movie, what is going on in Hollywood? Uh, but I absolutely love these books. They will keep you interested and they will, oh God, they will do everything. They will make you love these characters. And I swear to you, there are some of the funniest lines. So the writers in that uh, writer's room have a lot to live up to as far as um, Joe's writing Mm -hmm. style because Mm -hmm. so damn good. You guys will love it. So check out Joe Ede's books, um, the IQ novels, and then eventually next year, The Goodbye Coast. In between episodes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Crush Fictionally. And feel free to slide into those DMs. Or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. 
You've been listening to Crush Fictionally with original music by the talented Edith Mudge, artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock, and produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real. <laughs>